0: You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Bernoy. And as always, thank you for being a listener. And if you'd do us a favor and wherever you listen to us, if you wouldn't mind going there, leaving us a rating and a review. And if you're not yet a subscriber, please subscribe. All of that definitely helps us out in our rankings and people being able to find us. And awkward segue that's what this whole episode's about is getting found and improving your rankings and <laughs> we've done seo stuff before it's come kind of from people from the tech background so today very exciting to be joined by Dr. Ruchna Jain she has profitable popularity as her company and she is a mental health person first who has this SEO thing figured out. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We're really happy to have you here today.
1: Thanks. I'm really excited to be here. I was looking forward to it. I am really excited because we've had a couple of conversations and it's always amazing to find people who have really dug deep into a kind of second craft, right? Something where you really have identified ways to help, not just with SEO, but also with reputation, online reputation. There's just so many pieces to what you do. So I'm going to let you tell you, tell us who you are and what you're putting out into the world. Uh, absolutely. So I'm a psychologist. I have a doctor
2: of uh, psychology, clinical psychology. I have been in practice for a little over 20 years, which makes me sound <laughs> so old. <laughs> Uh, I have been offering SEO and online marketing services to clients since 2003. I have been using the internet to fill my psychology practice as early as 1998, which was practically the start of the internet. So how I got started was putting up a very ugly one-page website that I built myself, which <laughs> I would not recommend uh, anymore, but at the time you had to do you know what you had to do. And I put up that one-page website and I taught myself uh, search engine optimization. Now it was very different then, it was a lot easier because there were only about you know, 100 websites on the entire <laughs> internet, <laughs> so that made it you know, fa- fairly easy. Uh, but I did get top ranking. I was able to generate calls to my, uh, my practice and then i did that for a few years and it was right at the beginning of managed care and there was that whole kind of managed care piece and maybe like many of the listeners at that time i didn't have a lot of background in business so i wasn't really sure how to create you know a fee for service practice uh, I was actually very, very shy at the time, so I was afraid to market myself as well. I did try some networking, which didn't go very well, <laughs> oh, um, no. because every time I would meet people and I'd say I was a psychologist, they didn't seem to want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> so oh, that was there. that been was there. about it. Yeah, that was about <laughs> it. Um, But then in uh, 2003, people started to approach me and started to ask me, you know, how do you get clients from the internet? And I said, oh, well, you do this and you do that and you do this other thing. And they said, I don't want to do it myself. I want you to do it for me. And so I took on a handful of clients in a very exploratory kind of experimental way. They had very, very good results. And then I realized that this was actually a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And that I brought something interesting to the search engine optimization space because many of the companies that offer SEO services are extremely technical. They don't always understand the, delicate balancing act of balancing a professional service business, uh, such as being a psychotherapist or a psychologist, with the advertising and promotion of online marketing. And so I believe that I bring kind of a unique understanding of both because I've done both and I do both.
1: I like the idea that you have these two different pieces because no matter what you tell me, I'm not going to believe that SEO isn't technical. (laughs) But I think there is something that happens that – or something that can happen where people that don't understand not just service-based businesses, but highly trusted service professionals needing to have some special parameters around the way they present themselves online. And so what do you see as the things that are really unique to therapists or other highly trusted professionals when they are in that marketing space and – what needs to be considered? I th- That's a great question. I think that the things that need to be
2: considered are this persona or the manner in which you present yourself. There needs to be a congruence and a consistency between how you present yourself and how you are in person. I believe that the capacity to specialize can help you a great deal in online marketing. So more than being a generalist, even if you see everyone and really could help everyone, the more that you can kind of specialize and articulate your specialties, that can be really helpful. And I also think that it really is important as a professional to understand where your areas of expertise are and where they're not, both clinically but then also in terms of online marketing. So one of the big debates is whether therapists can do their SEO themselves. And anytime I meet people and they find out what I do, it, the audience splits and you know about 50% say, "Well, I do all of my own SEO and I've done a great job." And the other 50% says, "Ooh, I don't want to do that at all. That sounds <laughs> horrible." <laughs> and and I think it's important to understand where you uh, land on that continuum, and doing your own SEO you know has benefits, of course, but it also has uh, difficulties you know and if you're not that comfortable with technology or it's just not your forte or it's not something that you're going to spend time tracking, taking care of your online reputation if you get a bad review, which can happen you know it it's it could be an issue with that particular client, it could be something about the the patient's uh, character, you know, or relational issues, it could just be a lot of different things. And if you don't even know it's there, it will be directly impacting your business. So if it's, it's my sort of best advice is that if you're going to do it yourself, that you really do it in the same way their professional would do it for you. And if you're not able or willing or don't want to make that commitment, then it's, it's something better to leave to people who, you know, who can do it for you.
0: How has SEL really changed and really for therapists over over the last 15, 20 years that your experience has been? Because I imagine it's a lot more than putting just like, you know, trauma therapist on on the front page of a website (laughs) now. There's a lot more that goes into this. And how are you seeing the successes of people or the the work that you do that goes into uh, really helping get the results that people are looking for out of being able to create that cohesive brand?
2: Absolutely. So there were several parts to that question. Let me let me kind of break break that down. I know the, the question kind of went on for like two minutes. Like so way, like one of the longest questions. I want,
0: I want a history and I want <laughs> best practices. Practices. Right
2: now. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So in terms of history, well, I, I say one of the biggest ways that the Internet has changed just generally is the sheer volume of websites that are online now compared to when I started or, you know, a few years after. You know, I made a joke earlier. I made a reference to there only being about 100 websites on the Internet, but that actually was true at one point. You know, that was true. And now I don't remember exactly what the numbers are, but they say that something like 6,000 new websites go up every day hour or something. I oh, mean, it's wow. very, yeah, it's a very, very high number. And so, so that's been one of the biggest changes. The competition is a lot more, you know, when I first started doing SEO, I was one of the only therapists in the area who knew anything about the internet. So I had a big advantage that when people started to use the internet, I had already put my website at the top of the search engines for my areas of, of uh, specialization. So there, there was a lot less competition. It was a lot easier to do. You know, you made kind of a joke, Kurt, but it was true. It used to be that you could just put trauma therapist and then your city and you would rank on the first page for that. What has changed though is with the rise of Google AdWords, the top three positions are now taken by ads or can be taken by ads. So that means with organic search, which is the process of naturally ranking in the search engines, you're going to be, you know, number four on the page after those first three ads. So you're not going to be number one right at the top of the page, unless there's no competition at all for that term. And then you don't really want to be optimizing for it. Then the second change has been the introduction of the Google Maps listings, which have further pushed down the organic search listings. If you go and you see Google Maps, you'll have three ads. You'll have between three and five map listings. So that means the top organic search is already gonna be number nine on the page. And then the third uh, change has been the rise of all of the therapist directory locators that are the aggregates of people's information and people can go to these directories. Many times those occupy the top organic search or the first organic ranking because they have so many pages that all reference psychology or therapy, you know, something. So Mm -hmm. you have all of these changes that are all designed to make it more difficult to gain ranking organically and to benefit from the ranking. Now, that being said, In a less competitive city or town, it's still possible to rank highly and do fine. If you are working in a larger metropolitan area or you're very ambitious, you plan to have a multi-clinician center or you plan to have multiple multi-clinician centers, that's going to take more work. I have one client who I've been working with for many years And she works in a very competitive metropolitan area that's also very large. And what we saw in doing her SEO is that the longer we've done it, the better her results have been. So uh, maybe two years ago, she was getting about 50 calls a month from the search engines, even for all of the ads, all of the Google Maps listings, and and all of the different things I already mentioned. And now the longer she's done SEO, she has been getting over 100 calls a month. And she's very ambitious. She she has multiple uh, multi-clinician centers. So that is a very good inflow for her. But I think that not for, you know, for not every therapist, would that be the right number of calls. That would be too many, and many would go to waste because there may be a smaller practice or they don't have as many clinicians. So it's also important to kind of right-size your SEO efforts to the size of your business, whether you do it yourself or someone does it for you.
0: There's a couple of things that stand out in what you're saying to me. Number one is of course, an SEO expert is going to advise that you need to buy multiple years of services of SEO. <laughs> but, but there's also a point in there that this isn't just kind of a do it once and set it and forget it sort of thing.
2: That's absolutely that's absolutely right. And yes, of course, an SEO expert is going to do that. But the the adjustment I'd make to that is that that is that process of her continually reinvesting has been happening very organically. And what I mean by that is she gets results and then chooses to reinvest. Right. She gets more results and then chooses to reinvest. So in no case ever uh, in, in in my business, do I ever lock people into multi-year contracts until we get results for them. And then by the time we're getting results, they're often very happy to continue services because the results are that meaningful for them.
1: Well, and I think it's something where the other piece that I, I want to highlight that you were saying is kind of right-sizing your SEO efforts. And I and I think in a conversation that we've had before, in talking about the the scale of of what you do or the types of of support that you can provide to someone in the online space, you're wanting someone that that has that scale. You want someone that that is going to have either a multi-clinician practice or 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 like what we were talking about, many different is kind of creating a larger personal brand where they, they're they wanting those hits for other products and services, other big types of things where there's there's a big push. And I think, to me, what I'm really hearing is that SEO may not be for everyone because you know or or a high level of SEO may not be for everyone because if someone has a solo practice and they're doing networking and it's working or they're they're doing some Google AdWords and that they're pleased with that and and kind of like to turn it on and off versus having this constant kind of rising in the rankings there may be other solutions that are, are more appropriate and so there, I just wanted to comment on that.
2: Yes, there absolutely are. That's a great point. There absolutely are other solutions and in fact, I would not recommend Uh, SEO for a new business, uh, pretty much in any case. So uh, a therapy practice that's less than maybe a year or two old. And I know I said that, Unless you have a special reason, like you're very shy to market yourself like I was, then, (laughs) then, you know, because SEO does take a while to, uh, it takes takes a few months to get ranking in most cases. And you have to be able to keep your business running while you're investing in SEO, whether you do it yourself or someone does it uh, for you, to be able to afford to continue the investment because as Kurt pointed out, it is something that is cumulative or accretive where the more you do it, the more benefits you ultimately get. So yes, SEO is not for everyone. And if your networking is working great, if you have a strong community already, a strong set of referral sources, you may never need SEO. You know, I think the solo practitioner can benefit from it. I do think that their upside for it though does have a a ceiling that will be reached faster. Because if you only need, you know, two or three more clients, you probably could get that from the network you have. If you need 10 more, 15 or 20 more, or you have a lot of client attrition for some reason, maybe you do brief therapy and they're cured and they're out of there, you know, then it's it's a different situation. But I do think it's important when you're considering working with someone for SEO, you want to be sure that you know that your practice meets certain criteria. And so if it's okay I can share with you kind of yes. what I what I look for in in clients that I work with. I look for clients that have a a desire to grow and have space to grow so that either they're newer to some degree and they have a lot of availability or they're about to ramp up from being half time to full time, I look for people who have strong clinical skills and they have some record documentation for themselves of good client retention because the biggest benefit of SEO comes in the compounding factor. And the compounding factor is when you get, you know, two clients in the first month, two clients in the second month, three clients in the third month, four clients in the fourth month. And if you're able to retain them, you'll start to see that your income increases steadily. SEO does not work if you don't, if you're not good at retaining clients, because you'll basically just have a churn and burn where they come in and they leave, they come in and they leave. And it becomes very expensive on multiple levels as a way to run your business. And then the third thing I look for uh, after that is, you know, they have have capacity, they have uh, retention. I also try to work with people who have a high enough fee that even if they only get two or three clients a month from SEO, which is sort of, you know, the bottom most number, that it would still be profitable for them. So if you're doing sliding scale or you're doing a lot of insurance, you want to kind of look at the numbers for yourself before you look at investing in SEO. But if you do fee-for-service and you have good client retention and you have capacity, whether your own or hiring uh, clinicians, it can be a very strong strategy.
0: How over the course of these months of, of working on it, do people see that cumulative effect? I wonder about, you know, how effective is the blog on somebody's website? How much is them posting on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram helping their website improve in the rankings and and having people find them in the general Google search rankings.
2: So there are more than 200 factors that go into gaining ranking on Google. Just and that? Yeah, just that. Just 200. that. I think I think oh the last gosh. number the last number was something like 213, maybe and a half, but it was 213 <laughs> oh, factors. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And and so those are all, you know, it basically is that if all of that adds up to what the Google algorithm is. You would say that it's, you know, 1% of this, 3% of that, 6% of that. So for example, blogging is a certain percentage. Social signals such as from Twitter, or Instagram, or Facebook is a certain percentage. Uh, Whether you have a Google Maps listing and you're a local business is a certain percentage. If you fill in your Maps listing, your Google My Business page fully, that gives you, you know, a little bit of percentage. So all of the factors are not weighted equally the The thing about it is that there's sort of a core set of items that every therapist business you know wants to have in place just to have good presence online and then there's more that can be done with those items once they're in place if they're looking to uh, have greater ranking or you know or to grow their business from the internet and I can share what those are in just a second. The kind of aspect of that is that you know it that blogging itself is not necessarily a client generation strategy blogging is very useful for seo for several reasons it's one of the factors that contributes in those 213 factors and so the reason it's valuable is because it makes your website more authoritative because you have more content on it The second is that it keeps your website fresh because you have updated content. Your website wasn't just built and left static. The third thing is, is that I think of every blog post as a little bit like a beacon that is out there on the internet. So when I work with people and I help them develop a blog posting strategy, I suggest to them that part of their content be kind of what we call evergreen. So it deals with, you know, what is anxiety, symptoms of anxiety, curing anxiety for example. And then there are trending topics or fad topics. So if there's a new anxiety cure that they should write a blog post about that. If a big celebrity story breaks where somebody admits they have, you know, incredible anxiety, they should write a story about that. So that that when people are going online in their area and they're searching for that celebrity and their anxiety, their website has a chance of coming up. So there are a lot of different ways to create the content and use the content in a way that's beneficial. The blogging for itself, like people say, well, I wrote a blog or I started a blog and then I abandoned it. That's, don't don't do that. It's not worth it, you know? And I don't think it's worth blogging necessarily unless it is within the context of an SEO strategy, unless you just like to write or you're trying to create a body of work for some other reason. So I think that blogging is extremely powerful in SEO for multiple reasons. There may not be a ton of need to do it if you're not going to do an SEO process.
1: I think that's probably a relief to some people because I think some people are like, I have to blog because it's a marketing strategy. And I think that there is a small element of that, but it sounds like there really is more of this piece of being very strategic around the the beacon back to the website. It
2: absolutely is. And the thing is, is if it comes down to writing an article or going to a meeting where you're actually going to meet people face to face, always go to the meeting. Where you meet people face to face. It's much more likely mm-hmm. to result in some improvements to your business.
1: One thing that, that we kind of have barely mentioned, but I think is something that Kurt and I kind of tried to talk about a while back. I, it was kind of, I don't know if it was about if we, if we framed it about Yelp reviews or about, you know, kind of how do we manage our online reputation? And I know that's an, also an area of expertise for you. And I think this is something where it's like, okay, I love everything you're saying. I want to pick your brain about every single topic that I can. <laughs> but when a therapist has a bad review or when they have some sort of something come out online that really can impact their reputation, with the the issues of confidentiality with the issues of of so many pieces of our ethics code and and the laws that that frame our our profession what are our options how do how do we manage an online reputation in an effective way as we're building this you know kind of this beacon of here is i here i am here's all my stuff like you know a bad Yelp review or or something on you know Facebook or whatever it is like there's there can be this this big stain. Absolutely. So the laws are different in
2: the different states as far as promoting yourself, uh, responding to feedback online. So I'm not an expert in every single state, but generally what I would say a good strategy for any professional service provider is to own the Google results for your name and your name plus degree. So if you go into the search engines and you type in your name and see what comes up or and type in your name and city, if your name is, is more common and then see what comes up. And ideally those, those first 10 on the first page would all be you or something about you. It'll be your website, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, your Twitter. So even if you don't post on any of those platforms, at least if you have your username reserved and you add a picture, you add a little bit of content, so that you know you have some presence there. That can go a long way to helping you own the results for your name. Now, it won't always work. Like in my case, there are a lot of Ruchna Jains because you know all of India is has has a lot of people you know with that same name. So what what happened initially was I owned all the results for my name. But then over time, because Google's always trying to give more relevant results, it started to pull in results from other people with my same name. So there's been a little bit of dilution there. But in a local business, you know, I work online as well. So in a local business for your city, your state, you should own all of the listings. And the best way to do that is to have your own website, to have profiles on the big social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, Instagram, possibly Pinterest, uh, possibly. And even if you don't use them fully, but just to reserve your username, keep it consistent. So always use your name and your degree or just your name locally. And the thing about responding to bad Yelp reviews is there's always a 50-50 chance that it's going to go out of control. So you respond, the patient responds again, you might respond or you might leave it, and sometimes it it can go uh, out of control. So the reason that the Yelp reviews can be problematic is because Yelp is a high value site. It's an authority site. And so one of the best ways to manage it, I think, is to kind of allow the review to be there but invite clients if it's appropriate to leave positive reviews for you so that your only mention online isn't all negative. There are actual reputation repair strategies that can help you get all of the listings in your own name on the first page. And most people don't search past that. So I had a a client once who was a physician and was accused of malpractice and he was cleared of that, but there was a lot of news stories local about that person. So when you looked up his name, those stories would come up first. Mm-hmm. And so he had no social media presence. So one of the first things we did was set up all of these profiles that I'm describing. We started to add content to them and it took a while, but ultimately they dropped, they made the news stories drop to second page and then start to drop out of search. So there are ways to actively manage it. You know, if if necessary. But one of the best preventive strategies is to, to build these profiles and have them filled in and uh, ready so that when people search for you and your name or you and your name and your degree, you have these authoritative sites with your your name and some information about you on them.
1: Yeah, I think the Yelp stuff can be so hard because they're, you know, at least for, for Kurt and I as MFTs in California, we can't ask for testimonials from our clients and right. we can't, you know, there's no confidentiality. You know, we have confidentiality. We can't say like, hey, you know, that you weren't a client or you were a client. Like, I mean, I think there's arguments and that's much more of a nuanced conversation. But there's a lot of people that who would not own that profile because, well, I don't want to have Yelp because, cli- and it's like, no, own the profile. Yes. <laughs> you know, and you're saying own all of the profiles, make sure. And I think there's a lot of people who will have Facebook with a cute name that's not theirs. And they'll have a lot of these other things and not actually build these professional sites. So I really like that idea because if you own it, then you also will see what's coming up. You'll actually get the notifications and and understand what's happening there. But, But even just thinking about it in the search, wow, that's that's really smart. <laughs> it,
2: it is because, in fact, for even new websites that go up, many times your Facebook profile or your Facebook page, if you have one, will rank higher than your own website. And yeah. it will rank higher than than that for a period of time while your website gets you know indexed and things like that. So it, it definitely is wise to own the usernames and to claim your business in all the places that you can. So if you have a Pinterest profile, they have a business option where you can claim your business on Pinterest and just a word about that too is that again the other mistake i see therapists making and this isn't specifically about seo but it's about online marketing uh, more generally is they invest in these very expensive digital marketing packages that use youtube, pinterest, instagram, all the, twitter, all these kinds of things and they spend a lot of money and they don't get any patients. So here's the thing about that is that using those large sites it's very unlikely, first of all, that a client is going to be searching for a therapist on Twitter. So if I need a therapist, I'm going to ask my friends first. If nobody has any recommendations, I'm going to ask my doctors or some you know, professionals. If nobody has recommendations there, I'm going to search i'm going right i'm not going to go to twitter and type in you know therapist in maryland and then actually call that person so this is one problem your your clients are not there the yeah. second the second problem is on those platforms you have no way of targeting your local area you can do it on facebook and i know that there'll be some therapists listening he'll say well i know someone who got a lot of patients from facebook ads and that was fantastic and that's great it does work for some people but the kind of uh, effort to benefit ratio for most therapists is going to be too high. So keep in mind that before you invest in some kind of marketing strategy because, you know, you hate marketing or you don't want to do it, make sure that it's actually targeting your local area and you would do better to use services and, and programs that are in your local area over investing in a big internet-wide marketing strategy when you can't take those patients from all over the country anyway.
1: I think that's so important because there was a client, a consulting client that I had who was like, I need to get more visibility and I'm not a marketing coach. I I do strategy. but, But she was talking about how she had had this blog post go viral and there were people all over the country who wanted to work with her and she couldn't. And so, I mean, she had to do the decision, do I do a different service and, and do something like coaching or consulting that can go broader? But it was something where it was like she had she'd invested in this kind of a strategy. And I don't think, I don't know if she actually invested money, but she certainly invested time. And it was like, I had no local clients, but I had potential clients across the country. It's like, okay, well, that could be the problem that you want to solve. Or it could be like, wow, I really just want a local therapy practice. What am I doing? <laughs> and, right. And it could be just a distraction because then she had to research what she could offer, what she could legally offer.
2: Maybe she had to get certification. And, mm-hmm. then, and then you have to think that even if you're lucky enough to have one blog post go viral, I, I have a lot of concerns about whether that becomes enough of a basis for a sustainable business. You know, because oh, after, sure. I mean, and I'm not saying in this case that anything happened that way, but I just mean that people say, well, oh, you know, I had a YouTube video that had 2,000 views. And then they suddenly feel like that's some clue or some cue that they should, you know, do more videos. Up. And then that's fine if you want to be a YouTube personality, that's fantastic. But there, there's a disconnect then between using that and growing your local practice.
0: We're kind of dancing around this investment of time, and Mm -hmm. I know that this is an answer that's going to wildly depend on what somebody's goals are. So I'll narrow this down just to people who are trying to get that local catchment and to get clients into their practice. But how much time should people be investing on a weekly basis to fostering good SEO, putting this kind of effort into it on a regular basis?
2: I would say that if you're a new business that has a new website that's not that well established, you're just starting blogging, you probably want to put one blog post up per week and more if you can. So let's say maybe it takes you a half hour to an hour to write that blog post and then optimize it. So at least four hours a month go there. And then you'll want to build directory listings for your business. And there are A lot of directory listings, so it just depends how aggressive you want to go. But let's say maybe two hours a month there, because again, that will want to be something that's consistent. You'll want to set up your Google My Business page, which will only take some time, uh, one time, but that will be some investment. You want to be able to track your rankings. So if you have, if you're doing that manually, that will take a couple of hours to do uh, each month to see how you're doing. And so I would say probably if you're going to do a kind of a full SEO effort for yourself, it would probably be between 7 and 10 hours a month. If you are a more established business, you've been around for a while, maybe that goes down to 5 or 7, 5 hours or 6 hours a month. But you can see that if you look at your hourly rate and you find therapy easier to provide, you know, for 5 or 6 hours of therapy a month, uh, you You know, you could outsource the SEO and, you know, so so there becomes a point where the hours invested become more
0: than might be worthwhile. So add that to your to-do list, people. (laughs) (laughs) And I then, was hearing and like, follow through I,
1: on it. I was hearing more like outsourcing. I was hearing not put it on your to do list, or maybe outsourcing is putting on my putting that on my to do list. <laughs> you know, because because there are there are things that because I you know it, me or
2: any other company that offers it as a service. We have certain efficiencies built into the process because, A, we know what to do. You know, I have a rank tracking software, which would be cost prohibitive for a one-person business to own. But because I can use it for all my clients, it runs automatically and I can check rankings. So I don't have to go in and do it manually, for example. I can track a lot more things you know, I understand analytics very well. So you have to understand that too, to see how your SEO is doing and is it result resulting in visits and then conversions. So there, there's a lot to it. And, you know, I think with it, like with anything, you have to commit to it and practice it regularly if you want to be very good at it.
1: So I have one final question. That's probably, we're, we're getting beyond time. We have in our group, we have, hashtag modern therapist. So these are folks who are thinking beyond therapy alone. They're potentially doing a lot of different things. So they're thinking bigger. And at what point does someone really need to have a, a larger focus on this if they do want to have an online presence? And what would that look like? Like, what would it look like if someone were really to dig in and have a big effort towards this? What kind of what does it look like? What would the results be? That was a long question too. Yes.
2: Yeah, so, so the, so I think the first question sounds, sounded to me to be about when do people start shifting over from looking at themselves as sort of a local therapist to more of a thought leader or platform build, you know, looking to build yes. platform online. So I think that was the first part of the yes. question. And so what I would say is that Obviously, it'll be unique to each person, but one of the things I would look for, one of the things I'd suggest people look for, is they look for a way where their their practice, as it is, is running fairly well. They have systems and operations in place that it's not requiring all of their time to keep the cash flow coming in. So maybe they've hired other clinicians, maybe they've hired an office manager, maybe they've outsourced billing or all of those things. They have to be sure that they can sustain their revenue generation and their profit margin while they're building their larger presence or looking to to build their platform. Because the other part that nobody talks about is that building a platform is very expensive. And so not, you know, no matter who you work with or what What you do. You're going to probably need a better website that's more professional and more geared towards your larger persona. You are going to need advertising and or SEO. You're going to need probably media access or media training. You are going to have to invest to write a book or publish a book or create a course or create a program, whatever it is you're doing. And then it's it's physically very expensive that if even if you get a lot of media interviews, to travel to those interviews and be able to be on the Today Show and all these different things, it costs money. You need clothes, you need makeup, you need you know to time away from home to be able to do that to hotels and all that. So it's a it's a costly proposition to look at building a larger platform. So it's very important that you have a revenue stream that feels solid and that can keep generating, you know, enough money and it wouldn't hurt to save up, you know, to build your platform and make those make those initial investments. And then I think, you know, kind of the right time to start switching over is when you feel that you have developed an online audience, not just a local audience or, a, you know, an in-person audience, but when you start to develop a, an online audience that you can say that you have maybe a, a thousand person email list, for example. And the reason I say a thousand people is because I use the concept uh, that Kevin Kelly developed. He was the past editor of Wired magazine, and he developed a concept called a thousand true fans. And he took the example of a hypothetical music band and and everyone talks about this mythical six figure business. I want to have a six figure business, right? And he says, he said that if you have a a band that has 1000 true fans, each that spend $100 with them every year, whether it be on concert tickets or T-shirts or, you know, anything else, you know, music subscription or something, that that band will be making six figures. And so I like that a lot because most of us can conceptualize getting a thousand people to know us and us to know of a thousand people where, you know, it makes it much more manageable than coming in new and saying, I need to have an audience of twenty five thousand or fifty thousand or sixty thousand. Okay. How do you even find those people, right? But if you figure that you can make, let's say, 10 new connections a month and you do that actively, that at the end of the year you have 120 connections, you do that in year two and it goes to 240 or more because they know they have two friends and they have two friends. Yeah. So, you know, really when you get to a point that you've generated maybe a thousand people on your email list, where you've been able to test some products and services to them that have sold, you know, I think that's the the time where you start to say that my idea has teeth and I can kind of take it forward.
0: Where can people go and hear more of you and find how to work with you?
2: Uh, My website is profitablepopularity.com. And so I'd welcome you to visit there. And if my message resonates, uh, feel free to uh, contact me.
0: Once again, thank you so much, and we will include links to Dr. Ruchna's website in our show notes. You can find those on our website, mtsgpodcast.com, and this is you know, such a, an important strategy for all of us as as therapists, as business people, so this is such a great wealth of information. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And until next time, I'm Kurt Withhelm with Katie Renoy and Dr. Rachna Jain. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.